Yes, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, August 9, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you wherever and however you're listening. And, uh, gee, we're completely unsport-related, but we've just walked into the studio here and we're seeing along the bottom of the screens of Breakfast TV that uh, an Australian icon, Olivia Newton-John, has passed away age 73. Lots of morning to you, mate. Uh, this is a sports show, but uh, hard not to... Make mention of that. Yeah, that's um, sad, you know. Uh, Olivia Newton-John, I think a lot of people uh, would have followed her career closely and we can all remember her performance in Greece with John Travolta. Um, Sad, only 73 years of age. Uh, She certainly was an Australian icon. Uh, She'll be missed. She's done so many wonderful things throughout her career and we know that she's been battling um, illness for a number of years. But it's still never easy when you're walk into a studio or find out that an Australian legend has passed away. Very, very sad news for a family and I'm no doubt a lot of people who have supported her throughout her career. Dean Bulldog Ritchie joining us again this morning. How are you, Doggy? Yeah, good morning. I'm well, you know, Laurie, good to be back in the seat for Clarky. I assume he's back next week, the great man? Well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no one's heard from him? Yeah, Insta. I heard from him last week. Okay. Insta. Yeah. Yeah. But he's... Uh, just gallivanting around Paris at the moment. He looks comfortable, doesn't he? Baguettes and champagne. Those photos. He doesn't look like he's out of place. No, it's, it suits him, I think. Yeah. The summer over there in Europe, just getting around and having a few glasses of champagne near the Eiffel Tower. I saw his sunglasses the other day. They're all uh, <laughs> sort of rainbow-coloured glasses, and you look quite no, the... Uh, didn't see those ones. Yeah, quite the picture, Michael. Mm, Stylish man. Yes, yes. Mm. Unlike we three. there... Um, Following him? No, I don't think so. No, no. He normally posts, and once he posts, they become stories. Right. That's how we work in today's age, is it? Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I don't get my stories posted. When I post, you don't report on me. Well, no one cares about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hang on. When you had his surgery on his beautiful beak, somehow that ended up in Yeah, you wanted to get my nose... You wanted to do a story on that. That just shows that gutter journalism that you guys do. It was buzz. <laughs> All you wanted to do was talk about my nose. Exactly. Didn't want to wonder, didn't want to follow my football career at all. You just wanted who to wrote, follow the nose. Who wrote the last ever story at your home ground? Who was in the car with you that day? Was that you? Yes, it was. It wasn't my last game, though. No, it turned out not to. It (laughs) rang a bit hollow in the end, didn't it? Why was that? Well, Bulldog did the last game. Game of the stadium. Yeah. So, you know, but it turned out not to be my last game. Well, they won the game, they won the next week, and they got a home final. (laughs) And I said, I'm not going back down there again. I wouldn't need (laughs) a climax. (laughs) Because we had to win to get a home final. Yeah. Well, yeah, had to win their last two to get a home final. It was... The final game of David Ferner. It was the final, final, final and game. It was the third one. There was three of you. Mullows. Brett Mullins. Of course, mm. old Bug Lugs here took all the glory. Mm. It was almost <laughs> like, get out of my photo, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> poor old Fernsey, a legend. Mullows, yeah. champion. It was like they were playing reserve grade. Well, that's what happens, team. Mm. Superstar. Mm. Glory boy. By the way, I'm looking forward. Uh, I believe we have some audio a bit later of... Uh, your efforts last week for those who were listening seven days ago from uh, the tire pressure. Yes. Uh, it didn't go that Inspection. Well. It didn't go down well. Down the road in here in Forestville in the northern suburbs of Sydney. And I had Doggy and Loz got the job done, checked their tires, put some air in, 
successful? Well, to some degree, I had little idea, and the bloke to my right had no idea. At least I knew you know, when you put the nozzle on, you press the button down to put the air in. But you don't press. He didn't even know that. You don't have to press that in. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. I've since found out you don't have to lock it on. So there you go, Dean. Well, you know what happened on the. <laughs> I went away, saw you down in June in the weekend. I came back with a uh, nail in my tyre. So I had to go and get it pulled out yesterday. The 32 had gone down to 10. Right. So it was flat. Then the bloke said to me, mate, it's not 32, it's 38. Did you so, tell him you Googled it? Yeah, well, he knew what he was talking about. He was a okay, tyre specialist. Mechanic. He wasn't your next door neighbour. No, so I think 32 was wrong, 34 was wrong. So I think it's actually 38 if you've got a RAV4. Well, what did I say? 30, 30? No, I think I was 38. Listen, I don't come to you for any more I advice when it comes to mechanical issues well, with a vehicle. Our listeners will tell me. What I well, said. Let's I'm do it pretty again. confident I said 38. Well, whatever you did say, it actually was 38. So am I so driving the, around with flat tyres? Yes. <laughs> it's not right. Because you listen I'm to me. I'm 36. Yes. You just stay out of it, all right? <laughs> take it to a mechanic, let the professionals do it. Could only end in tears. I'll take it to Tommy, my, my mechanic. Does he give you a little 10% off for being a legend? Oh, you know Tommy. Tommy Horn. No, I don't know Tommy. Oh, you know Tommy. You would have met Tommy at the Northbridge. All right. He's been around for ages. Discount? Tommy? Yeah. yeah he looks after the boys. <laughs> I thought he might. <laughs> so it's a discounted tyres, free car. Yeah, I just... What about the petrol? Do you have to put that just in? Just a signed Raiders cap. <laughs> signed Raiders jersey, something like that. From 1989. <laughs> oh, <geez>. All faded. <laughs> no. Um, no, we pay Tommy. How many years have you been covering the game for now, Doggy? Uh, 1990 was my first. Yeah. What's that... 33 years. In your time, uh, describe, as far as coaching outbursts are concerned, where did Ricky's rate after the game on Saturday evening? Oh, it was one of the most unusual, I guess, in that there's been a lot of coaching blasts post-game over the years, but not one that actually got personal or named a name. A bloke messaged me saying the last time he thinks it might have happened was in Graham Lowe. Went after MG in a press conference back in that famous Origin game in 1990. So I think it could have almost been more than 30 years. But look, I spoke to Ricky a couple of times yesterday. Uh, he's he's sad with his comments. He's upset with himself. He's disappointed. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk out of school here, but you know, he knows he's dragged his own family into it. And that's what's probably hurt him the most. He's conceded he got it wrong. He's conceded it was the wrong platform. Uh, he spoke to Integrity yesterday, the Integrity Unit head, Jason King, and he gave Jason King the reasons why he did it. Ricky's got personal and private reasons why he said what he said. He doesn't want the public to know about that, but he thought it best for Jason King to know, as at least there was some reasoning behind the outburst. What do you think you'll get? Uh, I think you get one or two weeks suspension, you know, He'll probably get a fine. Uh, the Raiders did say to Rick yesterday, if you want a week off to clear your head, <clears throat> excuse me, that would be fine. I think Ricky said no to that uh, first up. So either way, I think he'll be missing for this week's game against uh, St. George Lawara and then potentially the following week against the Newcastle Knights. But we have to remember too, the Raiders are still right in the hunt for the final. So it would be yeah. very hard for Ricky to stand down in terms of the Raiders' offer. And they've got 
a good draw to finish the season. And I think if they can win the remaining four games, there's still a live hope of playing finals football. So uh, it'll be a blow um, for Ricky to to be missing. But if that's the punishment, then I'm sure he'll accept that and try and move on as quickly as he possibly can. And you're right in everything you said there, Bulldog. I mean, you know, he's acknowledged that he said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And if he had his time over again, I'm sure he wouldn't have done it. But Everyone makes mistakes and, you know, he'll live with this one for a long period of time. But, um, you know, we've spoken about it before. He's done a a lot of good things. But, unfortunately, this one incident, um, it will affect him for a long time and it'll affect everyone that's been involved in it. I think you'll find Andrew Abdo will be handed the report from Jason King probably today, Loz. Uh, That would go to the commission via... Input from Andrew Abdo. I would imagine the decision may be made possibly this afternoon or tomorrow. Uh, they've got to give Ricky due process. They've done that. They won't rush the decision. But clearly, if he is to be stood down, then they need to tell the Raiders, you would imagine, early in the week to give them a chance to move on with whoever may step in. Well, they're quite lucky that you know Andrew McFadden is there and Andrew McFadden is, you know, this Brett White and I think, Mick Crawley is still there as well. Uh, but Andrew McFadden has coached a number of first-grade games uh, before. He was a coach of the Warriors, so he's mm. been around. So I, 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 while it'll be a loss that Ricky's not there, I, I don't think it's catastrophic. I think mm. that you know they certainly know what they're doing. And to have someone there with first-grade experience certainly helps steer the ship. Certainly a, a deeply personal and, and, and complicated matter. Uh, there's a fair bit of stuff leaking out onto social media now, referring to what's gone on. I think it's important. I don't want to sit here and make it a whitewash saying that Ricky did nothing wrong, because I know Ricky Stewart, and I know you know him a lot better than I do, Laurie. But I think it was important for Ricky to tell the the uh, the NRL why he did it, so people are aware as to what unfolded all those years ago with Ricky's children and Jamin and Salmon. So I think Ricky had to get that off his chest, and he certainly did that. And Don Fern, I might add, the Raiders' CEO, he also was interviewed by Jason King, and he's been uh, supporting Ricky in terms of welfare over the last 24 hours. Uh, just on the text line, morning, boys, why can't I listen to you guys through the TuneIn radio app, which I've done for years? Trent at Rosemeadow. Trent, uh, being a third-party app, apparently we're uh, making some inquiries as to why they've changed the feed on that app. And uh, hopefully we'll get it sorted out for you. But uh, the Tab app or the Sky Racing Active app, they're the two that uh, you'll definitely be able to tune into Sky Sports Radio and therefore us. Back page of the Daily Telegraph, why I snapped. Stuart comes clean to integrity unit over seven attackers. Uh, Bulldog said earlier he has given all the historical details to Jason King of the NRL integrity unit. Uh, and, uh, well, the Raiders also offered him for him to stand down, but Ricky hasn't, as in uh, take a few days out of the club. But uh, it appears he hasn't. Bulldog, I'm just trying to think. Is like In the English Premier League, you see coaches banished to the stands and suspended for, for, for games. I, have we ever seen it in the NRL? I can't think of I, any. I can't recall, Mido. <clears throat> I'm assuming, too, and this might sound like a silly question, that he would be banned from preparation and training. It, would have, it wouldn't be a ban just for game day. Would it be for the week? I'm not sure what the perimeters are. But you'd, if you're you banned, you're banned. Yeah, you would imagine it would be for the week. Yeah. Although if you're a player, when you get banned, you can still train. Correct. And you can still go to the game. Yeah. But you're not allowed to 
I mean, play. So a coach, I suppose. And they can't tell Ricky not to go to Canberra HQ, watch over training, surely, can they? Well, he can get videos. Mm. You know, they can send him videos and just stream it. He could watch it live from home mm. if, he, if he wasn't mm. even allowed into the um, uh, into the training venue, but also have contact then with the coaches. So I, I, I really wouldn't know how it, how it works. I heard Gus say on 100% footy on nine last night, Phil Gould, that uh, if the details were to come out about the exact historical context of you know where this all came from, from, from some time ago, it would benefit absolutely no one. So it's obviously as about as sensitive as it gets. And uh, so what you're seeing on social media, that's not gospel, is it, Bulldog? I can only... Only those real close parties would really know. Yeah, I just found yesterday, as the day went on, me though, that the the weight of public opinion just changed a little bit as the day went on, when it sort of little odds and ends seeped out through social media. And I mean, look, Ricky's a polarising figure, Loz. You know that as well as anybody. And opposition fans love to roll up Ricky, hmm. and they love to stick it to Ricky. He knows that. He gets it. He's had it for, what, 30 years. So whenever there is a chance to give Ricky a little kick along the way, they will do it. So this obviously gave them another opportunity to have a dig at, at Sticky. Sticky oh, yeah. knows that. Oh, that's part of the attraction of Ricky too. He, he loves the fact that you know a lot of people don't like him uh, and he thrives on it. He thrived on it as a player and thrives on it now. I mean, he's, when I say uh, you thrive on it, that doesn't mean you, you enjoy it. But he understands that you know there's a lot of people out there that don't like don't like the way that he, he goes about things and Obviously, you know, what happened on the weekend, uh, a lot of people have, you know, jumped into him. Um, but again, um, you know, he's got his reasons and I'm not here to, to go into those reasons. Um, but what I will say is he's fiercely protective of his family, he's fiercely protective of his mates. The Ricky Stewart that I know is a wonderful person um, and he has admitted that he, if he'd had his time over again, he wouldn't have chosen those words at that particular moment. Um, I think he realises that that wasn't the right place to say that. Um, he's put his hand up for that. Um, and I think he would want it to move on as quickly as possible. Whatever punishment that he gets, he'll accept. And I think we move on. And um, I think he wants to put it behind him as quickly as he possibly can. I, When I spoke to him yesterday, Laurie, he was quite... Uh, what's the word? He was quite sad. And I even said to Rick, I said, Ricky, I don't think I've ever heard you this upset before. Yeah, so I think this one's really got to him yeah, more I than could, others. Of course it would. Mm. You know, and you know, you don't want to you don't want to see these type of headlines and you don't want your family involved. I mean, if it was about Ricky, then Ricky would handle it. Um, but when there's other people involved and in particular, uh, you know, his family and um, it's a situation that we haven't seen before and hopefully we don't see again and um, you know, they'll try and you know, work through things. And as I said, he, he's a very passionate man. Um, he's he's put his hand up. He's admitted that he got it wrong. Uh, he wants to move on as quickly as he can. And whatever punishment he receives from the NRL, I'm sure he'll put his head down and work harder to become um, a better coach, but also to be able to understand that you know, he, he's a better person for it because he's he's learnt and needs to learn to control his emotions. And when I spoke to him, he was talking about the fact that, you know, he said the wrong thing, but also he brought his family into it. And that's something that he's fiercely protective of.
Uh, now, also on the back pages of the papers, the Com Games, the competition is over now. So, uh, Medal of Honour is the headline on the back page of the telly. Diamonds claim our thousandth Games gold medal. Back page of the Herald, Golden Age. Australia stayed their best to last in Birmingham. And uh, also overnight, the Kookaburras, the men's hockey side, made it seven from seven. Since hockey came into the Commonwealth Games, I think in 98, in Kuala Lumpur, and they won their gold medal match against India 7-0, and their aggregate score in seven final wins is 33-2. to So that's utter domination from the men's hockey side. Diver Melissa Wu, who's at her fifth Commonwealth Games, she'll be the flag bearer for the closing ceremony. And the final medal tally, well, we've beaten England. We're top of the tally. 67 gold, 57 silver, 54 bronze, 178 medals to England's 57 gold, so 10 less. And they've had 176 medals overall. Then you go to Canada, 92. So in the end, I'll tell you what, initially probably, you know, when you see all this winning gold for fun, you probably think this is, you know, we're up against like pop gun opposition. But by the end of it, I actually got into it a bit. I was a bit like you, you know, the longer the Com Games went on, the more excited I got and the more interested I became and started to watching a, f- a few more events. I, th- I think it just took me a bit of time to to get going. I was a bit slow to start with, a bit like I am in the morning. It's slow <laughs> to start. I'm glad you said that because I was about to pipe in. Mm. I must admit, can I be brutally honest, I, I didn't watch a lot of them. I know we have to cover them and we have a duty in the newspaper online at, and on this radio show, but I said it before, I personally would rather win eight Olympic gold medals than 67 Commonwealth Games gold medals. It just got to the point where there were that many coming through, it was hard to get excited about them, to be truthful, Oz. I don't know about you. It was like a one-day cricket game. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's, an, there's another one around the corner. Are we just getting old and grumpy? And Maybe. Can't, can't be made happy? No, Maybe. I think with the swimming and while they... Yeah, they they did a wonderful job. I think we just expect now the Aussies to perform and, you know, we expect them to win at World Champs and we expect them to win at Olympic Games. But when they're taking on the Commonwealth, we just expect and assume that there's going to be a lot of goals. I think where we started to get excited was when the athletics came around Mm. and we're starting to see some young up-and-coming superstars that are now challenging for that next level. They've you know they're they're starting to to rise and become genuine chances of maybe winning a a bronze, a silver, or a gold at a, a major event. So I think that's one of the reasons why I got excited. You think about this with the Olympics. We look back and we all talk about momentous occasions: John Sieben winning gold, uh, Duncan Armstrong, uh, Kieran Perkins, uh, Kathy Freeman, uh, Dean Lucan. These are all iconic moments because they're Olympic moments. I just I just question whether there's many moments that are iconic that's in call. the Commonwealth Games, that's all. Mm, that is a fair call. And they've sure. done wonderfully well. Please don't misinterpret mm. this to me being critical of the athletes. They've worked hard. They deserve their moment. But to me, I would rather win less medals at a higher, on a higher stage. I think that Oliver Hall 1500 metre win will go down as a pretty big yep, moment yeah. in Australian yeah, athletics. Yeah, I also think Peter Bowl winning silver. Well, while he didn't win gold, the fact that... You can see the development of this kid, and he's, I reckon he's a realistic chance of meddling at Olympic Games. Talk about iconic moments, Bulldog. 82 Commonwealth Games. In Brisbane? Yeah. 
What was his name? Matilda. The oh, yes. Yes, the kangaroo. Yeah, the Correct. big kangaroo, Matilda. Down there at the old QET yeah. Stadium. That always stands out. Yeah, look, they were, they were good. They I was good born, moments. so can you just tell me what happened? Don't you remember Matilda the kangaroo? Wasn't born. Makes it hard. Oh, it was a big inflatable, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, to me, it looked inflatable. It was a bit corny looking back, but at yeah. the time, it was good fun. Yeah. Well, good good times. Yeah, well, it was a fantastic time. That's I would love to know, moments, and again, I'll play devil's advocate here, I'd love to know what it costs for Australia to send that team across there. Oof. It would be astronomical. I mean, it would all be, well, I imagine most of it would be government funded, but I would love to know a final figure of what it cost Australia to send those hundreds of athletes. Are you dirty on the athletes going to the Com Games? No, no, no. I'd just like to know the final figure, given we're all talking about saving money here and there. I would just personally like to know what it costs to send us over there. Right. So if it was $10 million, $5 million, what, you're not happy with no, that? No, no, I didn't say that. You don't that. want to send our athletes? No, I didn't say that. I'd just like to know what it's costing the taxpayer. Right. What, just for your own purple yeah. personal use? Yes. So you can write a story on it? Yes. Why not? Give us a call, 1353 53. Send us a text, 0419-767-272. Dean Bulldog Richie sitting in for Clarkie this morning. Now, you two were in Junee the other day. Come on, you must have something. What happened down there? Yeah, we did go down for a funeral, a great mate of mine, and an even better mate of Laurie's. Scotty Duncan's father passed away, the great captain. It was a lovely service, wasn't it, Laurie? Lovely and service, yeah. The police... Cordoned off some streets, and there was a guard of honour for the fireys because he was captain of the fireys, wasn't Took he? Was? On the fire truck, which was lovely, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a, a lovely day. Um, but yeah, we did have a few beers, and I did find out the next day that Laurie, our esteemed colleague, was drinking at the commercial, which I would say to you without a lie would be oh, 14 metres from where his friend Scooter lives. And that's where Laurie was sleeping. So he had 14 metres to walk home, which you would imagine in any condition you could still conquer that. He got the shuttle bus home. <laughs> he got the commercial shuttle bus I thought bus I was in the wrong home. pub. I thought I was drinking in another pub. This is your At, hometown. It's his hometown. But I thought yeah. I was in another pub. Oh, this is fantastic. And then, I, then they said, well... The shuttle bus is going if anyone wants a ride home. I'm in. So I jumped on the shuttle bus and then I got out and the bus started going and I thought, where am I? <laughs> so, so I had to get my bearings again. So I did a lap around town <laughs> and I ended up back at the pub and then walked home. <laughs> oh, what a disaster. Imagine the driver. <laughs> Oh, he was just shaking his head. Fourteen meters. Yeah, that's one of the best. Well, I, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. But anyway, I suppose I ended. That's up what in happens sometimes. Like Bulldog, when you forget what pub you're drinking at. Yeah, that's true. Happens to us all. I ended up in Musselbrook after Scone Cup, so I probably can't. Yes, laugh you did. Too, you can't too laugh too, too hard. How did you get there? Uh, well, I followed a bloke who I know, who was like, "Can't I get on this bus? We're going into town in the oh. Scone. You know, it's a what five minute drive from the race course back into back into town." About seven or eight minutes in, I'm like, it's pretty dark. We're not in Scone. We should be in Scone by now. <laughs> Driver's like, going to Musselbrook. No, you're not. Turn around. No, I'm going to Musselbrook. So anyway. That was it. How'd you short. get back? Well, we eventually got a ride share service uh, from Musselbrook back into Scone. Anyway, missed all the fun, even though we'd had plenty by that point. But yeah, 
There you go. It's At least, to look, the important thing was that the shuttle bus got you home safely. The shuttle bus got me home in the end. Bulldog. That's what we it's needed. all that mattered. What? Did you actually it, go back the next day and have another beer? Or uh, was that enough? Well, yeah, we did. Okay. We did. You're going we, back for we went back. Two. In fact, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was inevitable. I had to bring Dean Bulldog Richie's suit home. My, my, I lost my suit jacket. In fact, in fact, Bulldog, you said you left it at the wake. I did. Well, why did it end up at the pub that I was at on the Saturday? I can't answer that. I, I don't know. <laughs> Can you answer that for it me? It must then? have walked itself because somehow it's, <laughs> my jacket has walked between pubs and I don't quite know how. Because I went back to where the, the wake was and I was asking for this jacket. There was no one saw the jacket. And then we get back to this pub on a Saturday. And then, lo and behold, there it is. <laughs> Walla. Lady behind the bar says, "You guys, someone left a jacket here last night." How lucky are you? I couldn't believe my luck. Yeah. Couldn't believe my luck. So and Laurie I even brought into I, the studio this morning. I had to bring it all the way from June. Good man, Laurie. It was precious man. cargo. Nothing's free. I won't. Yeah, there'll be a favour in return soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember that day I bought your jacket back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's the receipt. Mm. Uh, we have Bass on the line. G'day, Bass. A very good morning to you, gentlemen. You too, mate. What have you got for us this morning? Before I weigh in with my five cents worth on the Ricky Stewart saga, uh, Bulldog, do you listen to a sports show in the afternoon uh, five days a week? Uh, No, I don't, Bass. I'm actually working. There's there's been many a time I've said stuff on that uh, radio show and to have you have a, a write-up about what I said in the paper the very next day. So I just wanted to say you're welcome, by the way. Oh, is he stealing stuff off you, Bass? He is, mate. Oh, Bulldog, <laughs> this needs to be an investigation into this. Well, for starters, I'm working. I don't have time to listen to the radio, or that would be nice. Right. Maybe you and I just think alike, Bass, but I can... Can, can you give Bass a rap, I then? Can, can, you, can you say courtesy of Bass next time you're Bass, on story? Bass, I can categorically, on my life, say I don't listen to afternoon radio. And if you do have stories on there, God bless you, God love you, but I ain't pinching them. I promise you. Well, I don't, I don't know mind. That. I mean, just just give me some artistic. <laughs> All right. Yeah, next time I'll put love. a I'll put a jewel byline on the story <laughs> next time by Dean Ritchie and Bass. All right. Well, boys, I'm going to tell you what I think of the Ricky Stewart scenario, and then I'm going to give you what I think his punishment should be. Go ahead. I understand there was mitigating circumstances why he said what he said. And I know the story because I too know people in and around the game. But one thing, and again, last night, uh, Paul Ken on 360 was going on ad nauseum about it. We're all neglecting one fact. Did yep. this guy say it as a 20-year-old or did he say it when he was 12 years old? Now, we all have children. I cannot put my hand up and say 100% my son wouldn't say something stupid when he was 12 years old. Let's keep this in perspective as well. He was 12 years old when he said it. Had he said it when he was a 20-year-old, I'd hang him out to dry myself. But are we going to crucify a 12-year-old for saying something stupid? And did Ricky Stewart carry that grudge from a 12-year-old for 10 years? That's a bit... I don't know. Bass, there are no winners here. I don't think there's any point... Any of us trying to dissect this and find a winner. There, there are no winners. There are no winners for the Salmon family. There are no winners for Jamin, for Ricky, Ricky's family. So I think trying to find a winner and a loser is probably not really going to solve much. 
look, what you say is right, Bass. I, I'm not going to sit here and question anything that you've said. All I'm saying is that I don't think there's any point trying to point fingers. Look, perhaps there's a bit of you know, guilt, if that's the right word, on both sides. And it's come to this. Mm. And it's sad for everybody. And as I said, there are no winners for anyone's family. No. When I spoke to Ricky, again, I'm not going to make apologies for Ricky because he's big enough to look after himself. But when I spoke to him, he said that he hasn't been able to he, he, he must have needed help. He said, I, I haven't handled this over the the journey. He said, I, I haven't handled this over time. I thought I'd had. Um, so I, I think that he realises himself that he needed a bit of help and understanding. Um, and again, you know, he, he puts his hand up and said that what he said, he, he shouldn't have. And it was the wrong platform to do that. Um I, you know, I, I don't know how I would react if you know, certain things happened to me in certain certain situations. So, uh, but Laurie, yeah. if someone did say something to your kid and it stung, you wouldn't get over it. I think a lot of it would stay with you. Yeah, well, he, for uh, life. Well, well, Rick's yeah, thought he'd processed it okay and thought he'd be able to handle it and move on, and obviously he hasn't. And I think that, you know, he's disappointed that he's brought his family into it. Uh, he's disappointed that he said what he said at that particular moment in time. Um, I think if he had his time over again, you know, he, he wouldn't have done it and he, he, he would want to move on from it. And I think he'll cop whatever punishment is dished out to him. But again, he just wanted to give context to well, why he said what he did, and again, you know, people can make their own judgments whether it's right or wrong, um, but as I said, I, I'm a mate of Ricky's, I always support him, he's fiercely loyal and protective of his family, as he is of his mates, and he's done a lot of good things, and, you know, I hope that this doesn't, uh, you know, harm his reputation, because we know that he's done a, a lot of good things for community, um, but again... It's not saying that what he did was right. And I think he acknowledges that. And if he had his time over again, he would never do it. Thank you, Bass. Morning, Jake. How you going, boys? No, not too bad, thanks, mate. That's the way. Um, look, I'm just going to back up Bass's statements more than anything. It's, uh, I don't have any kids, so I can't talk on something that I you know, don't have any experience with. But when I was a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, I was, I was a psychopath. There was no filter. There was nothing like that. To, to hang a kid up on something that he did when he was 12, and this is mainly at Kenty. I've got to say I love Ricky. Um, I also love when my team, I do go to the Panthers, beat Ricky's team. There's no better coach to beat. The best press conference to watch after. But to hang on to this grudge for this long, I mean, you've got to give Salmon the benefit of the doubt that he's grown up and become a better person. You can't, you can't hang on to these grudges. It's not the way to do it. It's not the way our game, what our game's built on. Jake, I spoke to Jamin Salmon's manager, Sam Ayub, a couple of days ago, and he repeated what you said. He said, look, you know, Jamin did have his troubles, but he has grown up. So uh, I don't know Jamin Salmon. I don't think I've ever even interviewed him, but it sounds like he too has you know, changed as a human being and as a player over the years. But clearly, yeah, some damage was well, done years changes. ago. Everyone changes as they get older. 
course they do, yeah. You, know, you, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. Um, and again, it's a situation that we feel uncomfortable talking about because there's things you can say, things that you can't say. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are guessing what's going on behind the scenes. Um, it's just unfortunate that it has been spoken about on that platform. Um, I think we all realise now it's a place where uh, you, you, you don't want to go. Um, you know, and I, as I said, I, I think Ricky's acknowledged that he's done the wrong thing and I think everyone would like to move on as quick as they possibly can, but it will continue to drag on until we find a punishment, until we hear from you know, Jamin and his family and I suppose we see what their reaction is. This interesting text to me, though, that comes in from Peter. Uh, so, Ricky, sorry he brought his family into this situation. What about the Salmon family? He has now dragged through the mud. And, look, it is a valid point. We are friends of Ricky's mm. lorry, but we also have to remember the Salmon family. And no doubt they're going through some tough times at the moment. And there's probably a lot of things being said on social media which are generally hurtful. So, as I said before... There are no winners. Mm. Uh, by the way, in regards to Loz going walkabout in his hometown of June It wasn't walk. It was bus about. Bus about. <laughs> bus about. We've had this text. I got on at Civic one night. I'm guessing this is Newcastle. Yeah, I got on at Civic one night walking out of the brewery and was meant to get off in Mayfield. Woke up at Musselbrook. <laughs> train guard realised I'd passed out. So put me back on a train back into town. There you go. Oh, it, wouldn't be the first, it wouldn't be the only one to fall asleep on the train and end up no. far past where he's supposed to go. I woke up. Oh, what is it? You can make a mistake, Bulldog. And it, was a, it was an honest mistake. I thought I was in a different pub. So when the shuttle bus was leaving, I thought it'd be a good time to jump on and get home. Unfortunately, I forgot what pub I was in. I reckon it'd be 25 years ago, I was at a drink in Parramatta and I got a cab back to the Northern Beaches. And I woke up at Cronulla. <laughs> woke up at yeah. Cronulla? Yeah. <laughs> so clearly I'd mumbled something to the bloke. He'd misinterpreted where I was going. Oh. Oh. Must have cost nah. me oh, 300 bucks back then. I got a good one. A bloke in here I know was up uh, up in Brisbane. I think it was for Origin or Magic Round, something like that. And he lives at Manly. Anyway, it had a very long day in Brisbane. Got in the cab, take me to Manly. And as you know, in Brisbane, there's a Manly quite a way away from the CBD. Got out there and just had that moment of, where am I? Where am I? I'm in Brisbane, not Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) And he was staying about, you know, 200 metres away from where he was (laughs) at a hotel in the Brisbane CBD. He once had a moment, thought he was in Sydney, not Brisbane. That's a long day. There's, there's a bloke in the Sydney media, and I won't mention his name to embarrass him. He had a few too many one night and got a cab home, but got a cab to his old home, which he'd sold and, mo- and moved from. And so he's turned up, knocked on the door, expecting to get in. And they've said, who are you? You don't live here anymore. Oh, how did Buzz handle that? That wasn't Buzz. <laughs> We've got uh, Jack on the line. G'day, Jack. Hi, guys. How are you? No, not too bad, thanks, mate. Yeah. Look, I, I listen to yours every day, and I, I don't want to go to war over this, but I listened this morning, and all the talk and all the concern seems to be about Ricky 
And I say this as someone, I wouldn't follow Canberra for my life, depend on it. But I've always loved Richard Stewart. But just all he apologised for was for the forum in which he said it. And this kid, this kid was 12 years old or 11 years old when whatever went on happened. And my concern is actually with him and how he's going to get out of this because we've left this thing wide open for everyone to speculate. You know, Bulldog, you were talking about you know, people making comment on social media. They're all guessing. No one knows. And this kid's got to live with that. No one even mentioned him this morning or showed concern for him. You know, and we just, to be fair, Jack, we just did mention the fact yeah. that you know, his family are obviously doing it tough, and uh, we were thinking of them in this situation, along with Jamin. I'll repeat myself. There are no winners, Jack, so... No, there, there isn't. You're right, Meadow. There, there, there isn't any winners. But when you sit there and listen to 20 or 25 minutes of, you know, Ricky just wants to move on and all that, I wonder how the kid's going to move on. You know, whatever happened, obviously it wasn't good, you know, and I can understand that. I... I'd die for my kids, I'd die for my family. But I just thought there is an 11-year-old kid that, with whatever went on, was involved in. And I just, I'm really concerned for him in terms of his mental welfare, in terms of where his career goes. It can have an enormous impact on him and Ricky's own family, you know. But it's not, it's not good enough to make an apology and say, I did it in the wrong place, um, you know. Jack, I think Laurie's right. The sooner the Integrity hand over their report to ABDO, ABDO passes on the commission, we come up with a a resolution here, we can finalise it. If Ricky is to be suspended, let's suspend him, and we can all move on from this extremely ugly and and, and messy affair. Now, Laws, I was sent a post from the Western Suburbs Magpies Facebook page and a picture of yourself, and who is that in the the picture? Uh, Jason Lydon. So Lido played a number of games for West and the Bulldogs. But He's I think a tough, he, tough player. A back rower. Mm. Loved hitting a hole. He's very, very good. If you were a ball player, you'd love to have Jason Lydon in your team because he was a back rower, could play a bit of 5'8". Started off as a kid playing 5'8 centre, but then moved into the back row. And they had a great year, I think, in 91, One, was it? They made the finals made the under finals. Warren Ryan. Yeah. I think it was 92. Oh, no. 91-92. Yeah. Andrew Farrar, yeah. Joey Thomas. Pop. Langmack was Gillespie. there. Gillespie. Yeah, Cement. Yeah, they had a real... Britty, Darren Britt. It's a tough pack out there. Mm. Yeah. Just were, what Wok loved. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But they were they were a very good side. Mm. Here you go, Loz. Uh, Jason lived in 108 games for West, 25 for Penrith, 13 for the Bulldogs. Oh, Penrith too, yeah. He played and then Penrith. he went and played 24 for Castleford. But, yeah, gee, he was a tough player, Jason. Lydon. Junior boy as well. Uh, Junior boy, yeah, yep, yep. Went to school with him, and uh, he's very, very good player. But a fact I didn't know: uh, this post goes on to say Laurie was very close to becoming a magpie at the end of the nineteen ninety one season. But as we know, he ended up a one club man with the Raiders. Ended up playing with the yeah. Well, I was off contract, and it was the salary cap. I think in ninety one, we had to release a lot of players. So I was in discussions with the Dragons and uh, the Magpies. Were you close to going? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I 
had discussions with the Dragons and the Magpies. So there was both clubs that were very uh, keen. But in the end, I just couldn't walk away from the Raiders. Did you take a pay cut after that salary cap drama? Uh, we would have done, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember, to be perfectly honest. But I think, you know, obviously we, we did because, you know, the, the cap at that particular time, I don't know, was $1.2 million a the cap, I think. So we had to release a lot of players. I think Lazay left, Toddy left, I think Dave Barnhill left, um, blokes like Nigel Gaffey, Wayne Collins. So there were a lot of guys that, that left the club, and we struggled in 92. And then... It was a miracle, though. You, you still were so successful. 92, 3, and then 4. You well, were still well, 92, strong at 5. We, 92, we weren't that successful. We had a horrendous year. I think, I think we missed the finals. And 93, we, well, not we, Tim Sheens went over to the Pacific Cup, which was being played in New Zealand. And he recruited a number of players to come back and, and, and play with us that year. And because we'd bought no big-name players, we thought we'd struggle again, you know. But he brought back uh, Noah Andruku, Ruben Wiki, John Lomax, Quentin Ponga. Fairer. So he Fair bought poaching yeah, journey. Yeah. So he, he bought those four guys back, and all of a sudden, uh, we went from being a side that was outside the finals to playing finals again. By the way, on the subject of more walkabouts, uh, John from Moorbank says after a BSB luncheon years ago, I woke up at Waterfall Train Station. <laughs> A fair hike back to Moorbeck. <laughs> Isn't it just? Oh, John Drink responsibly. <laughs> Who's doing it? I think I am. You're giving him the week off. Yep, I've given Laurie the morning off, or he's taken the morning off. And the subject I was given, Mido, was best players in the game under 23, or 23 and under. How many have you got? I've got five. So, Laws, I need your support here. I've always got your back. Let's go. I've got, in no particular order, I threw in there Xavier Savage from the Raiders. Dazzling footwork, speed, exciting, uh, growing in confidence. I think we'll become a superstar. Yeah, very good player. Um, a few rough edges still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got one of the, he's one of those players that you can see the potential there. He's still got an error or two in him every game, but hopefully he'll learn and quickly develop into one of these young, exciting fullbacks that play on the ball and they play every play. You look at what like a guy like Tedesco does, he's always there or thereabouts. Um, and organising defences, uh, defence systems is another um, aspect of a fullback's game that needs to be spot on. And he's still developing all those skills, but if he progresses the way that he has done, uh, I think he'd be a very, very good player. I have Reese Walsh, brilliant player, Laurie, a balance, athleticism, freakish talent. Of course, we'll end up at the Broncos next season. Yeah, I, I think he's another one, uh, a bit like Xavier Savage. Got all the attributes of a, a really good fullback. Um, he still needs to learn how to become a professional and you know work hard in the off-season. A lot of these guys that are young fullbacks, they've just got to get that fitness base um, under their belt. They've, they've got to have those pre-seasons because 
as a fullback, you've got to cover so much ground. And you notice them in games, they just can't get there on the plays that you need them. And that's the thing that Savage and also Reese Walsh will have to improve on, that effort-based um, play-on-play. Just get up there, be a part of it, pushing support, reload, go again, reload, go again. That's what they struggle with at the moment. Selwyn Cobbo is only 20. Uh, natural speed, already an origin player. Again, like Savage, a few rough edges, which will no doubt get out of his game. Reminds some of a young Greg Inglis is a Bronco until 2025. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the Broncos play him next year because they've got Reese Walsh going there to play fullback. Where should well, they where play should... him? Oh, I've got no idea. I, I... I thought he'd be a wonderful fullback, but um, wingers these days, they do a lot more work than centres. But I think Selwyn Cobbo as a centre would be hard to handle. Uh, but as a winger coming out of the back end of, your, uh, of the field, he carries the ball so strongly. So w- w- wherever he plays, they've got a beauty. Wherever they play, he's a beauty. And it'll be up to him, I suppose, where he wants to play and make it um, his own. But regardless of what position he chooses or the Broncos put him in, he'll always make an impact. Sam Walker, Roosters, instinctive player. I thought that little chip kick last week for, I think, Nat Butcher to score a try was a piece of brilliance. Uh, He will grow, Laurie. Apparently, they say his work ethic is exceptional. He's calm. He's got a good temperament. You think Sam Walker potentially could grow into one of the, the greats of this era? Yeah, I, I think he's a wonderful player, Sam. Um, the only issue with him is he's, I think, I think he's size at the moment. But, you know, when I mean size, his ability to defend because of that lack of size. Um, but he's got to be able to get in front, make his tackles and allow other people to come in and help him as well. Um, but he's got, you know, good short kicking game, um, can play what's in front of him. Um, he's always scheming, which is uh, what you want with a halfback. So defensive issues are the only reason that he won't go any further in the game, I would think. And my fifth player in the 23 and under category was Tolu Kohler at Manly. I've got a bit of a rap on this, Blake Laurie. Uh, came through the Manly system. Brilliant footwork, brilliant speed. Isn't an enormously huge player? But I reckon... If he continues to develop under Des Hasler, he too could become a star. Well, we know he's got plenty of speed, and that is something that you love to see with outside backs, and he just needs to find a position and then settle there. Uh, And I think you're right. I think over time he'll grow into being a a very good player. Um, He defends really well. He carries the ball strongly. And as I mentioned before, he's got that speed that if he gets into the clear... Uh, there's not going to be many people that will be able to run him down. Another one lost to rugby, he is as well. Honourable mention to Meadow, I had Lachlan Ilias, Ezra, Mam, and Tyrell Sloan as three that uh, weren't on the list, so to speak, but three players with enormous potential. Can I throw in two? Joseph Sawali and Payne Haas are still 22 years of age. Wow, you forget, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. You forget. Uh, what about this text? Morning, boys. Great story about Loz at Junee. Had a laugh. Just want to say I was at the Junee knockout on the weekend. It was great to see you back, and it was run great as always. As a kid, I remember seeing NRL players there, and we loved it uh, there. Uh, we loved it. There wasn't one there on the weekend, which was disappointing. Can the NRL do more to get some there at these big events? 
I guess, always difficult on a weekend in the middle of the season, particularly when you're four weeks out from the finals. Yeah, but there's usually guys that aren't playing that weekend and guys that are injured. Um, so it, you'd like to see more support uh, for these type of carnivals. Uh, there's plenty of kids. Um, as I said, I think there was 130 teams or, or something like that, and they they love their rugby league. And, uh, you know, it's it, it struggles in some areas in the bush, but when you put these carnivals on, they travel from far and wide, and the kids love it. They play three or four games during the day. But the other thing I loved about the carnival on the weekend was they didn't call it off. Like, and there was plenty of rain, and, and you saw the rain on the on the on the weekend and Thursday and Friday, Bulldog. But um, I, I didn't think the carnival would go ahead. But to see the amount of water and the mud and the kids enjoying themselves, and it was freezing. It's always cold during a carnival weekend, but just to see the smile on the kids' faces was enormous. Growing up playing mud laws, that's what childhood's all about. Oh. We love it. And now they don't do it enough, do they? I mean, remember, if they called off a game of football, you'd be dirty. You never got the chance to play in the rain or you never got to play on that muddy field. Um, but they did that on the weekend, so well done to everyone. I only had five to mention in the category, so you, I can't put. Are you copying heat? I can't put on? fifty-five in there, but I got one. Yeah, where's Jeremiah Nenai? Nenai, okay. There's another one. I didn't have twenty-five. And you've Dylan Brown. A knob by someone someone's as called well. me a knob for not putting Suwali in. <laughs> Guys, I was asked. It was five only. I can't put fifty-five in. Yeah, come yeah. on, Bulldog. You're a knob. <laughs> I'm a knob. Well, I knew that. But didn't need to be told yeah, at six forty-nine in the morning. And Craig from Rockdale yeah. is desperate for me to read out his tips this weekend. You sent. Two or three messages because he got seven out of eight last week. And this week, he likes the Panthers, Bulldogs, Rabbitohs, Cowboys, Sharks, Broncos, Raiders, Seagulls. Please read these out on air. There you go, Craig from Rockdale. Your tips are out there. Loz, are you happy that you oh, do Some of these names the that you've left out, Bulldog. How can you leave out guys like Sawali and Payne Haas and Matt Burton, Pat Carrigan, Jack Whiten? Will you do How do you t- leave him out? You do it next week then. And I'll be straight on the text line for you. What about good morning, boys? I've never heard of a bull knob, but I like it. <laughs> Grant from Newey. Thanks, Grant. Bulldog, are you serious? Best players under 23 and you omitted Matt Burton? You need to get out more, <laughs> says Bulldog Bob. And you know what? If I put him in there and left out some of mine, I'd get exactly the same messages. Mm, yeah. Uh, Guys. How does Bulldog not have Nenai in the top five? A great player. Uh, dear me, the kid is a gun and killed it in origin. Cliffy from Scone. Oh, d- you, you, maybe. Why don't you guys text in five? <laughs> I'm just reading them out. Moaning. I'm supporting. No, them. I mean the, <laughs> our wonderfully loyal listeners. Why don't you text in your five and then I'll, I'll attack you. Uh, don't get angry, Bulldog. Oh, I'm, getting, I'm tired, Laurie. You are tired this morning. I don't morning. do mornings well. Adam Pegilly from the Sydney Morning Herald. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Uh, tell us about your story on the back page of the Herald today under the headline, NRL looking at February kickoff. In a 27 round plan. Yeah, Jared, there's a proposal that's doing the rounds at the moment, the NRL's pay board, and it's been sent to the clubs about expanding the season to 27 rounds, uh, the competition starting a week earlier. Uh, basically, every club will get three buys over the course of that 27 round season. So they'll still play the same amount of games, still play 24 games throughout the course of the season. But where the issue is coming from here is that. Origin's going to be returning to Wednesday night for all three games next year. Now, we know the Rugby League Players Association, I think you wrote the story, Bulldog, didn't you, are pushing to have a mandatory stand-down period for those players who play in Origin matches and not play for their clubs the 
the following weekend. So the NRL is obviously trying to tinker with their schedule to try and, I suppose, cater for, for player workloads and, and not have the effect on those players backing up, which is why they're sort of looking at potentially having three buys throughout the course of the season. So instead of starting on the second weekend in March like we usually do, uh, this day is a very good chance to be starting on the first weekend in March uh, next season. And if we include the American game, which is still in, on the back burner there somewhere, uh, potentially the season could start in February and allow those teams a, a week to travel back to Australia to recover. So very much a watch this space at this stage. The clubs will obviously provide some feedback to the NRL. Obviously, the Players Association will too. But yet, we're definitely a 27-round season could be on the cards next year. Adam, do you think that the players would prefer to have one week less in their off-season but have one during the year? Do you think that would be more beneficial to them? Or do you think they'd rather the extra week in January or February where they can sort of you know, still get away from the game and, and, and join off-season, so to speak? Well, the issue, Doggy, is that the, the pre-season is going to be so crammed next year. It's about the World Cup at the end of the year. So that World Cup's not going to be played till sort of mid... The World Cup final's not going to be played till mid or late November... Those players like to travel back from the UK back to Australia. They won't be back at their clubs training for pre-season until middle or late January next year. So, you know, we're talking about an all-star fixture, which Laurie knows so well. Um, obviously, that's got to be crammed somewhere in the pre-season schedule. Have the traditional trials, games off the charity shield and everything like that. So the pre-season next year is just going to be, <laughs> the way it looks at the moment, just such a rush and such a, a mess, I'll put it in, in those terms. It was so, so crammed in. So where they go through with this proposal or not, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think the players... Doggy, to answer your question, probably would like the extra break maybe in the preseason potentially. And, and, and we've had that standalone representative weekend over the course of the last few years where if you're not playing Origin, not playing Pacific Test, those guys get a, a full week off and a chance to rest and recuperate and get ready to go again sort of towards the second half of the season. But with the 17th team in the competition next year, the NRL has to have a bye every single week of the year. They're going to try and concentrate a lot of those buys around that Origin period so they can... I suppose, spread them out over the course of the year, but a lot of them will be concentrated around that origin period. But it's, it's definitely a, a complex thing for the NRL to work on for the draw for next year. In racing, was Artorius luckless again over in Europe? Went ready yeah. to group one, one in France on Sunday? Yeah, he was, Jared. So we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday, but he's just Artorius doing Artorius things, wasn't it? Selling the second half of the field, not getting a whole lot of luck when, when the whips were cracking and running on to finish sixth. And um, that's pretty much been the story of his campaign over there in Europe. I think Anthony and Sam Friedman would be quite content with how he's campaigned over there. He's obviously had three runs over there and run really well. In particular, Diamond Jubilee safe when he was desperately unlucky not to win that race. And He'll probably come back to Australia now and campaign down here for the spring. They're talking about the Golden Eagle as his primary target, obviously with the $10 million on offer. It's a huge amount of money. And funnily enough, I think the Golden Eagle might be a really nice race for him, given it's over 500 metres, a little bit further than what he's been tested in the past. And it's usually a big field, a high-pressure race. Hopefully every every horse will get a chance. And he's a horse that can settle off the speed and really come whizzing home and hopefully not find too much traffic. So... We'll see how he comes back, and uh, yet yeah, the Golden Eagle could be on the agenda for Artoria. Golden Slip Runner up, best of Bordeaux, likely to run this weekend in the Rosebud. Yeah, can't wait to see him. Was he was uh, he did some really good things as a two-year-old, uh, ran out of his skin in the Golden Slip Runner, got mowed down by Fireburn late. And looking at this Rosebud on the weekend, it's be a really nice race. A lot of these two-year-olds coming back to start their three-year-old campaigns, and I find it a, a really fascinating time of year to try and back, uh, try and bet in these three-year-old races because we see a lot of these two-year-olds who won't train on. They might be you know, physically a little bit more mature than their rivals as two-year-olds. But when they come back to three-year-olds, they don't quite measure up. So maybe we can find a few angles in this Rosebud there on the weekend. I'll go back and watch a few trials and see how these horses parade uh, at Rose Hill on the weekend. But no doubt, Best of Bordeaux will be the headline horse in that race at, at Rose Hill on Saturday. What's the latest with alligator blood? Oh, Jared, this story just won't end, will it? Um, 
Alan Endress and his legal team gave Racing Victoria a deadline of Sunday to come back to them with their proposal to transfer some of the ownership to living legends. The reason they did that is because they wanted him to trial at Cranbourne this morning. It's a really crucial barrier trial for him heading towards his spring campaign. Racing Victoria were not going to be threatened or, I suppose, moved into responding to his proposal by Sunday. Uh, so that's still ongoing at the moment. His campaign is definitely very much up in the air as it stands right now. So we're waiting to see when Racing Victoria get back to... Uh, the Alligator Blood legal team, but unfortunately he won't be trialling at Cranbourne this morning. It's going to put, I imagine, his first start run, which I think was probably planned for the Memsey Stakes in, in severe doubt. And paranoid on the text line goes, Mido, can you ask Adam Pengilly where Willie Pike is? Not at Hawkesbury today or the Kenzo tomorrow? Uh, he rode in Townsville last week, didn't he, Jody? He did have a bit of a holiday up in far north Queensland. He was back in right. Sydney on the weekend. He was back in Sydney on the weekend riding, so I'm not quite sure whether he, he's having a little break this week or not. He's done, I'm pretty sure he's done a suspension. He might have a suspension. I'm, I've got to go back and check that. But, uh, yeah, Willie's been doing a bit of travelling lately, and he's certainly holding his own. But I'll, uh, I'll try and chase up with Paramount and see where he's at. Good stuff, mate. Have a good one. See you, boys.